Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment. but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. So- <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> the, um, I wanted to take a quick swig of wine before <clears throat> that went down the wrong way. Oh my God. And I'm Aldwin. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sorting over. We have to keep that. <laughs> yes. um, well, you better clear your throat because we have a lot of tennis tea to talk about. You know, compared to last week, I am definitely more excited to get into all of the tennis that happened this past week. There was tennis all over the world. So, you know, for people like Djokovic and Zverev, (laughs) who think there's going to be a bubble, unfortunately, there were tournaments on like four different continents. Can we... Let's test ourselves. On what continents did the tournaments take place? Ooh. I mean, there's only, what, six continents? Seven? No, there's seven. Seven. All right. Okay, so North America's one. North America. South America. (laughs) Europe. Mm -hmm. And the Middle East. Yes, that's right. So four. Mm -hmm. Four continents. And, I mean, you segued into this first part of our show because the question begs to be asked... Is there really a need to be playing on four different continents during a pandemic? What, what do you think, babe? Uh, I think, well, obviously, if shit could be coordinated, the answer would be no. But it's never going to be figured out. I, I mean, can you imagine all of those individual tournaments under the umbrella of the ATP and WTA getting together via Zoom call. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, you in your position and me as a teacher, you, you can't even get people in your own job. <laughs> I can't anyway on one Zoom call to agree. So what is that even going to look like? I mean, it's going to look like people saying, oh, you're on mute in about 40 or 50 different languages. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean the hope that um the hope that all of these tournaments are, you know, in a in a perfect world at this moment are going to coordinate and have, you know, one locale where players can be safe, be tested on a daily basis, play tournaments, earn money, reduce transmission and being in contact with just kind of limiting the amount of people you're you're in contact with is not going to happen, girl. No, it's not going to happen. I don't think there's a will to make it happen. And I think there's a lot at stake for each of these individual tournaments to pull off what all these other events have pulled off already, which is to, to be able to say to the public and to the community uh, that they can pull off these events safely so that fans can come back next year. I think there's a big, that's a big part of it that is missing from this whole conversation that Pospisil and Zverev and Djokovic want to have about 
um, having a bubble. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, you know, pospicil, po- <laughs> popsicle, <laughs> pospicil and Djokovic, Zverev is included in that conversation, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, are they just kind of putting out a pipe dream? Like, what's the point in starting a conversation for something that those three players especially know is never going to come to fruition? Yeah, that is a very good question. I have no idea. They sort of dropped that in the in the press conference to their match, them being Djokovic and Zverev at the AO quarterfinals, um, mm. that it's not safe right now. And, you know, we can't have a traveling tour, but there's been sort of no follow-up position no additional conversations that have been had no additional information around any actions that are forthcoming so i don't anticipate it going any further it's just them perhaps giving lip service to this new player association that Mm -hmm. this is something maybe we should be advocating for but i don't see anything happening zverev's too busy anyway he's a daddy now (laughs) i You know, I hope he's bought like a rattle or like a mobile or something. I mean, I, with him traveling so frequently, I haven't kind of kept up with that particular relationship with him and his ex-girlfriend. So hopefully he is going to be present for that little bundle of joy. Yeah. So he's doing that and Djokovic continues to try on new polos. (laughs) (laughs) So glad that you mentioned that (laughs) because I especially wanted to bring this up. (laughs) Now, for those of you that don't know what Jason just referenced, and Jason, you can elaborate on some of the details that I'm missing. um, I noticed this week that Djokovic had, was it this week or last week? Last week, wasn't it? He's at 312 weeks now, but yeah, there it was 311 uh, last week when we shared that post to our stories. Right, so Jason shared a post of Novak Djokovic wearing a polo that had the numbers 311 on it, stitched onto it, obviously representing the fact that he has now surpassed Roger Federer uh, at number one with the most weeks. And um, before I get into what the, you know, the... in it, the internet said about that. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, I didn't have a thought about it either way, but I'm, you know, I'm curious what you thought when you first saw him sport that that polo. I didn't think anything of it, really. <laughs> I don't know what it is about people who are not fans of him. They want to share their displeasure with with it and think that it's an arrogant thing to do. I I suspect it was something that he worked with the ATP tour to, to set mm. up because it's, you know, it's an achievement not dissimilar to when these guys uh, get to a thousand match wins, for example. They recently did that with Nadal. I think when mm. he won sort of late last year in Paris, he won his thousandth match. They did it with Roger. So it's on par with that kind of, of achievement. I did, um, in light of those comments that came our way, I, I appreciated how sparkly the 311 was on the shirt. It was like extra sparkly, like throwing extra shade for anybody who might hate him. <laughs> but I didn't think anything of it. 
I, and you know, and I, I just want to mention that's why I respect you so much because you are able to draw comparisons. I didn't even know that Rafael Nadal reaching 1,000 match wins was celebrated in that way last year. But I think that just because Novak is such a polemic figure, that the internet just went crazy. Like the internet, tennis, goblins, trolls were like, oh, and especially Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Rafael Nadal fans, I'm going to put them on blast for a second. They were the most vicious, I'd say, because, you know, one particular comment that I remember reading on that post, whether it was Instagram or some other platform, was, oh, you know, Rafael Nadal and and uh, Roger Federer, they'd never do that. <laughs> they, they'd never wear a polo, you know, proclaiming that they were the most weeks at number one. Like, that's just so not classy. Like, girl, get over yourself, please. I want to I want to check and see if <laughs> when Roger p- surpassed Pete Sampras about 10 years mm. ago, f- um, who was in the lead at 286 weeks, <laughs> if Ooh. they did something similar, if Roger, you know, wear, wore his own polo when he got to 287 weeks. I mean, yeah, okay, while you do that, I honestly would not put it past Roger and Rafa to do something like that. I mean, the way that I looked at it when I saw that post, I didn't think automatically that Novak was an arrogant person. I mean, if I had reached that achievement and the ATP came to me and said, listen, man, you are now the player in history that has been at number one for the most weeks, I'd be like yeah, let's do it. Let's celebrate that. I don't think that it's arrogant at all. Yeah, I don't think so either. I So I found an article that is from July 16th, 2012, that he surpassed him. So that was the week that he surpassed him. I have yet to find the polo, but we will find it. <laughs> <laughs> we will find the polo or whatever ceremony the ATP decided to do to honor that achievement <laughs> for Roger Federer, and we will share it in our stories. Yeah, we'll share it in our stories and we're going to tag all you damn Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal fan pages, okay? Because if you think that your man is the classiest, most respectable tennis player in history, we're just going to keep you in check. That's the real. (laughs) Yeah, and if it doesn't exist, I'll create one on my Canva account. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. So speaking of Roger, um, Mm. he returned. He did. If you were hiding under a rock, (laughs) sorry, he came back. Uh, the very next day <laughs> uh, he played in Doha and everyone was all excited and up in arms and tennis is back people Hmm. I mean truth be told I was definitely excited to see him back I mean he had what a 14 month injury surgery recovery situation did he not yes he had two different knee surgeries Right. And I mean, that's a pretty serious surgery. So I was excited to see Roger back. However, I will mention, and maybe this is kind of going to lead us into this story about Roger Federer and, you know, the circumstances surrounding his comeback. I was really excited for him and really excited to watch him play. And then the Roger Federer fans started to pipe up and I got really disgusted. (laughs) (laughs) One in particular, Mm -hmm. but what one, (laughs) the one that, the one that we're going to talk about or a different one. 
I mean, the one that we're going to talk about is representative of his legion of fans, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that to to mean that Roger Federer fans are um, rude or, uh, you know, or I don't know what other word to use, but rude. But just that they're so loyal to Roger. I think they're so lo- they're so loyal to a fault. Mm-hmm. To a fault that makes them unnecessarily mean. And you experienced that first <laughs> I did. Uh, we were this uh, particular follower, well not follower, <laughs> troller and I were having a bit of a conversation when I made a comment to a post. So I <laughs> in you know, like everybody I was interested to see how he was going to play. I was perhaps not as excited as everybody else, but I can, you know, have my own level of excitement. And, you know, I intended to watch uh, his matches because we have the tennis TV subscription. (laughs) I can watch the 250 events. Um, But I started to, like you, get a little bit annoyed at all of the posts that I was seeing as it pertains to tennis being back officially. And, you know, the... I was like, well, where did it go? He was gone for 14 (laughs) months and, you know, I saw dozens of tournaments happen and I saw some great matches and, you know, I witnessed the collapse of team and Zverev in that US Open final. Like I saw all of those things. So what, you know, what am I missing? And that speaks to your point about how diehard people are about about Federer but it also speaks to the fact that they're going to be missing out if 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 Federer's their end all be all like he's almost 40 so mm-hmm. you better get on the train of some of these new players or you're going to be missing out on some you know future Roger Federer's right and let's bring it specifically to that particular comment because you know again fill in the details where I've missed them but Jason commented on this particular Roger Federer fans page. Is it was it his IG page? So I I commented on ATP Tour um, mm. post, which was like this beautifully done, produced video package, talking about Federer. Um, it says tennis is back but something is missing so obviously (laughs) you know roger was missing during the pandemic when tennis took a break and then tennis returned so i just said you know he's returning and that's exciting for many but it's also moderately annoying to suggest that suddenly tennis is kicking into high gear (laughs) (laughs) agreed absolutely agreed so i said a let's see how he does and b What about everyone else who's been playing and killing it in 2021? And then C, which I put C conclusion. Uh, He's important, (laughs) but he's sunsetting. Hopefully he can have one last great push alongside these fresh faces who will soon need to take the mantle. So that was my full post. And uh, do you want me to read the comments? Uh, before you continue with the thread and, you know, we integrate this particular Roger Federer fan because we are going to put it on blast. I just want to say that Jason, when I read that comment, I don't think that Jason was necessarily goading Roger Federer fans to a reaction. He was just stating the obvious and I do agree with him. And again, this podcast is about, you know, agreeing with Jason, disagreeing with Jason. But in the, on this particular instance, I do. I mean, 
saying that tennis has come back and is now in full swing is disrespectful to all of the stories that have evolved in his absence. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not going to go into the entire list of players. You guys know who's made stories for themselves on the ATP tour in Roger's absence, but I thought that that was, that was a fair comment to make. But this one guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did not. No, he did not. He did not like it. So he <laughs> he said and you say you run a podcast. <laughs> you sound moderately biased. I don't know that I that anything in my comment was biased. But anyway, you are into judging a 40-year-old who is returning to his favorite sport? A, let's see how he does. Really? Be happy he is around. And yeah, <laughs> tennis was left on crutches. Tennis is back now. <laughs> Exclamation okay. mark. I have the biggest gripe with the part where he says tennis was left on crutches. Like, you can be a fan of a player, but to say that, you know, an entire tour is made up of just one legendary player is a joke to me. Like, left on crutches, like hobbled. <laughs> yeah. Let's just let's just keep it real for a second. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of proving my point, in, even as he's trying <laughs> yes. to blast me. <laughs> so I say um, his handle is face puller whatever i won't say the rest of it (laughs) that's the problem uh you're gonna be left sad and depressed when roger is gone because you haven't taken time to appreciate others in the sport we definitely acknowledge what roger has done and all he's accomplished but saying tennis went somewhere and is back now is foolish Mm. i mean (laughs) some people are just not so keen on change Mm -hmm. and they're so ready to hold on to I mean Roger's been a fixture in the sport for a little over two decades I think yeah or maybe at least two decades and I mean your your very nature is to constantly root for the underdog develop stories you know have the underdog win and come through and break through but there are some people that are just loving the Roger Federer fantasy mm-hmm. forever forever and but the truth is, is that nothing lasts forever, sweetie. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Say That's that. Just the... Yeah, say that to my dog, Cujo. He's, oh. he's no longer with us. Oh. <laughs> wow, that really took a sad turn. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of sad, Face Puller continued. Mm. He said, you are just a stupid, biased <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Really? I'm biased? Uh, I never <laughs> indicated, I never acknowledged others. Shows your comprehension ability. Shut down your <laughs> podcast. Stupid BS page. Stop misreading people. Biased crappy page. <laughs> to which I said, perhaps you should read your past comments. Tennis was on crutches and tennis is back now. Perhaps check your own biases and go ahead and ignore our crappy page if you can't converse <laughs> if you can't converse with dignity with mm. sorry with civility. And with then civility. and then he said pot calling kettle black. Run your page with bias. And my final clapback was analysis, not bias. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, he got so mad, he wasn't able to respond to you in full sentences. Right. (laughs) And I think, you know, to your point, I do root for the underdog. I will root for, 
you know, Medvedev until he starts winning multiple slams, and then I'll pick <laughs> another player. The only player that I will dedicate myself fully and completely to is Delpo, obviously. <laughs> I was just gonna jump in if you are not gonna if you are not gonna jump in yourself. There's only one player that you have a hundred percent loyalty and dedication to. <laughs> That's right. And I will call, and... call you out Jonathan Scott if you ever try to <laughs> talk down to so... Delpo. Okay, listen, I know this wasn't part of our plan, but, you know, now that you mentioned Delpo, I think this is a natural kind of segue. I did read that um, article that where he said that, you know, he still has something left to show in tennis. And, you know, to mention our friend, he is our friend, Jonathan Scott, who is, um, you know, a notable journalist in the tennis world. Um, Jonathan kind of made (laughs) a remark about... You know, Djokovic, uh, no, sorry, not not Djokovic, (laughs) Delpo, you know, raising his arm and then like straining his arm and saying, (laughs) oh, man, (laughs) oh, man, I'm injured again. Sorry, I can't play tennis. I mean, what do you think about your your boy and the fact that he feels like he can still do something in tennis, but all of these, you know, and by all of these, I mean, Jonathan, but I'm sure there's uh, more than Jonathan that feel this way of player of you know, followers that say, we love you, Delpo, but I think your time is past. I would say to those people, <laughs> tennis will be on crutches until Delpo is back. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. <laughs> In all seriousness, I would love, everybody loves a Delpo comeback. He's done about eight of them. <laughs> Not really, he's done two. But we all love the the last one when he you know, made the finals in Rio and nobody thought he was going to do anything. And he beat Nadal and he beat Djokovic and he lost to Murray for Mm. the gold, but uh, he played some amazing tennis. He's since, you know, made the final of the U S open in 2018 and everyone was hoping that he would beat Djokovic, but he was too good that day. So Mm. we, we need, we, it's, it's all something we need. We don't need another it, Federer comeback. We need a double comeback. <laughs> <laughs> now that's trolling Federer. <laughs> that is an audiogram clip right yeah. there. <laughs> well done, sir. Well yeah. done. That's good. Yeah. That's great. So moving on from mm. all of the folks who hated on us, um, before we <laughs> jump away from the men, uh, we did have one other piece related to Federer that involved Zverev because he recently mm. made some comments that you wanted to talk about. I did. I mean, in the few moments before that, before we recorded this evening, I did see on the, again, my source for tennis journalism, you know, the, <laughs> the <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, right? <laughs> the prime penultimate um, accurate source of tennis journalism in the entire world, the GLTA <laughs> <laughs> Players Lounge. Yes, I did. I did see someone repost an article of Zverev complaining, griping about the rankings. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in a nutshell, Zverev was saying, "You know, listen, man, I've been busting my damn balls." to work on this. (laughs) Don't go there. Get out. I know what you're going to say. You can't say that. (laughs) I've been busting my damn balls on this damn tour for the past year, 
And he has. I mean, let's be honest. He has. He won those two tournaments in Germany at the end of last year. He is now wearing a cutoff shirt. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's that's a lot. That's a lot, right? <laughs> he is now saying, how am I ranked lower than this guy Federer? <laughs> this guy who's played two tournaments in the last 14 months, lost to ba- Basilashvili in Dubai. Doha. And now is sorry, Doha. And is now like, peace out, y'all. I'm injured again. Yeah. <laughs> How is that fair? And I mean he makes a very credible argument here. If I was Verev, you know, with a new baby and, you know, sending all my, you know, Toys R Us toys via FedEx to wherever my baby mama and my baby is and training her day all day long. I'd be like, bitch, why am I ranked lower than a guy that has been sleeping in Switzerland for 14 damn months? <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing that I was saying about Barty when we kept forgetting that she was the number yes. one player and she's still the number one player. It's sort of the same thing. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, Barty came back and had results to show. I mean, Federer lost to Basilashvili. And uh, I mean, we're going to get to that in a second. But... I mean, do you are you mad at Sfera for what he said? No, I don't I, I don't know the full sort of way the point system has been adjusted to take into account COVID, but yeah, it does seem very strange. And I know he's not the only player who has had concerns about how it's stalled their ranking. Because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he has been putting in the work and playing a lot of these tournaments, and you know, advocating for a bubble that he's not going to get. So. <laughs> Wearing the cutoff shirts. I know. I mean, listen. Exactly. You you listen all of them. Playing in a bubble, wearing the cutoff shirts, <laughs> baby daddy. He's sweating up in here. Yeah. He's working real hard, and he's still ranked lower than Roger Federer. <laughs> There's no respect. Yeah. And so we, we actually didn't close the piece on Roger Federer by talking about how he played. Ah, okay. Yeah, let's talk about how did he you played. See his, did you see his matches? You know, I mean, the thing about Roger is that whenever he makes a comeback, and you know, not to draw parallels with Delpo, but he is so technically sound and such a gift. He is. I, I feel like I'm giving face puller all of the arguments on the opposite side. <laughs> but, you know, Roger Federer is a gift to tennis. He's for sure a legend. So watching him in his first round match... It wasn't a surprise to me that he won that. You would expect a person of his caliber and his talent to get through at least the first round. Watching Basilashvili, I listen, I only watched the highlights. I know that you and I talked about it very very quickly, but um, he did look a little bit sluggish. I mean, he didn't look informed to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> he, he was clearly a little bit sluggish. There were certain balls... Um, that came to his side of the net that he didn't even move for, which is unlike him because he pretty much gets to every ball. So he obviously was favoring something or just being maybe a bit more cautious on the court. So, mm-hmm. and then as you pointed out, he, <laughs> in losing to ba- Basilashvili, uh, told his fans that he's going to peace out of Dubai and go back to training. <laughs> In Switzerland, I don't. I I assume maybe go back home and train in Switzerland. Perhaps I don't know. I, you know, immediately when I heard him 
released that comment, the first thought that popped into my head was, what a luxury it is to be one of the three players, Nadal and Djokovic included, to, to play a tournament and then to pull out and know that in a way your ranking is kind of protected. Mm-hmm. You know, like he kind of gets to cherry pick the tournaments that he plays. He's obviously going to play the bigger tournaments. He's obviously going to play the slams. But I mean, Zverev does make a compelling point here where you've got the vast majority of the ATP players that are grinding on a day in, day out basis, trying to earn points, trying to, you know, earn their airfare, trying to not contract COVID. I mean, realistically, the more that I talk about it, the the more I realize that, you know, these three that have established themselves as contenders for GOAT, greatest of all time, really do have an edge on everyone else because they have the added benefit, luxury, comfort of popping into Doha, being like, okay, I lost to Basilejvili, but now I'm going to go back to Switzerland chill out for a second, come back to the, who knows what tournament's going to be, you know, French Open. I don't know. He's probably going to skip the French Open and have a protected ranking to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, yeah. obviously, if he's if he's skipping Dubai, he's probably skipping Miami. Mm. And he's definitely, I would think, and I think I had said this last week or the week before, that he was going to skip the clay for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this, let's just keep it real for a second. Roger Federer, being the 40-year-old man that he is, twins, Mirka? I think they have four kids. Four kids? Yeah. Dang, sis. (laughs) He is literally tuning up to win his last Wimbledon. That's it. I mean, maybe the U.S. Open as well. Maybe the Australian, but I mean, of all the slams, no offense, Tyrone. The Australian Open kind of is to me in my mind <laughs> is like the least important <laughs> not to Djokovic he's won it nine times <laughs> I mean Djokovic fans can come for me if they want <laughs> but anyway I mean I, Roger Federer is really just kind of grooming himself for the perfect situation where he can win his final Wimbledon and then piece the F out yeah I think I don't I mean he hasn't won the US Open in 13 years so I don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> either i think wimbledon is probably his best shot his best shot yeah uh we wanted to save medvedev to the end right absolutely okay so we should jump over to the ladies and i spent a lot of time watching um the fanless tennis in dubai with the ladies i was a little confused i kind of thought because there was (laughs) fans in doha for the men why are there no fans for the women? And is it just a typical WTA? <laughs> is it just a typical WTA event, or are they you not allowing fans? You okay? First of all, I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know how to break down what you just said <laughs> because a that was a surprise to me, and b I think that you were not even trying to be shady. You're just being real. Yeah. that's such a shame. Yeah. I I'm I haven't watched any of the Dubai <laughs> tournament for the men because they've now taken over. Um, 
where the women were playing last week, but literally I was watching the grunt fest between Mugu and Sabalenka, uh, and there were literally nine specks of people that I could see on one one end of the court, not even on... There was no fans on the sides at all. That's... Uh, I, I cannot... I can't even imagine that. I think that, you know, actually, I was just going to say at the beginning of the segment, I love that you have become more and more um, aware, mindful, interested in women's tennis. I mean, it just says to me that as a tennis purist, you really follow where the good tennis is. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's a shame. It's really a shame because, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second, but Mugu winning out of Dubai is a great story. And the fact that nine people saw her do it is shit. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's no fan. There must have been no fans allowed. People let us know if that's the case. I I was shocked. I, I think I was just confused that Doha, they had like 30% capacity and there were fans there and that Dubai they wouldn't um I assumed they're both in the Middle East that they would both be having fans but I I could be wrong I'm assuming there's no fans for the women Mm. and that there will be no fans for the men so it wasn't meant to be shady shady yeah just an observation just an observation because as we know there were also there was a a good audience for the uh, women in Mexico which we're going to talk about yeah, there was a fantastic audience. Okay, so back to Dubai. You said that you were really into the women this past week. I mean, aside from Mugu, unless you want to jump right to Mugu, who really um, registered on your radar? I mean, I, I have a a bigger respect for uh, Elise Merton's game. Mm. Having watched, I thought she was going to win that match against Mugu, but I have a bit more respect for her game. She's just sort of crisp and solid. Mm-hmm. Um, she precise, she, yeah, she's very precise. So I, I, she, there's nothing all that flashy. I mean, that's I, one of the big challenges I think with the women's game generally is there's typically not a ton of players who are flashy or who bring a ton of personality to the court, which is why um, maybe there's a bit of challenge with, with the women's (laughs) game generally. But, you know, I also Mm. have come despite the grunt to appreciate like the overwhelming power of what Sabalenka does on the court. Like I cannot, it just, it seems like she hits harder than the men do, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I was going to mention, for whatever reason, I feel like Sviantek is your girl. I didn't, Did you watch? I didn't see any matches with her this week. Honey, Sviantek faced Mugu. I missed that match. Okay, let me just give you a real yeah, give quick, it. quick 411. The Sviantek Mugu match. Is a match that everyone anticipates because it's like Sviantek came off the French Open win. Mugu is hot like fire. And you could tell Sviantek in and Mugu in the first few games of that match were jostling for position. They're like, I know I'm playing well. I know that you're playing well. But I'm going to let you know right now that I'm going to be the winner. And Mugu destroyed her. It was something like love and four or four and love. I forget. Oh wow! The, yeah, the sequence of the um, of the of the sets. 
But Mugu came in and really put her foot down and said, you know what, bitch? You might have won the French Open, but this is my game. And, and I won it too. <laughs> oh my God. I just, I just spat into the microphone. Oh, you? Sorry. Oh my God. First Sorry. the choke, then the spit up. Anyway. It's not that kind Mugu, of podcast. <laughs> Mugu really made her stamp in that match and... She came away with the title. I mean, her her pathway after Sviantek was fairly easy. She beat Krejcikova, who was a double specialist in the final, saved a set point in the first set. But, I mean, it was hers to lose. But, and she didn't. Well, she beat Mertens and Sabalenka, right? Mm, didn't she yes, beat that's them? right. Yeah. So the, those, those are tough matches. And they had all of the top seeds were there, except... Osaka and Serena. Like, How, I think Osaka's... Was Halep there? No, Halep was not there either. Mm. Uh, nor Barty. So what am mm. I saying? Clearly I'm <laughs> wrong on all accounts. But like everybody else except those four players were pretty much there. Right, right. Yeah. I feel like Osaka's sort of joining Serena in that I'm only going to play certain events. So maybe to our episode last week, she, maybe she's never going to win <laughs> any of the other WTA events. She's, she's going to focus on them slams. I, I mean, like, I don't know. I, the fact that you said, and, I, and I'm not annoyed at you. I'm just annoyed by that in general. That idea that she is cherry picking her tournaments. I mean, bitch, if you're going to be on the tour, be on the tour, you know? And like, I immediately, I have such a respect for journey men and women, <coughs> pardon me, who who work on the tour day in, day, now, day out, earn points, and get to these tournaments with tired legs, and you face a Naomi Osaka who was like, mm, "Okay, well, I just want an Australian Open, so I'm just gonna not, you know, play a certain tournament," and is like ready to just kill it again. I don't think that that's necessarily fair. Yeah, we'll see. And you know, like you said, with the rankings, there's a weird thing happening where everyone's ranking is seems stalled. So Barty will play no tournaments, but she'll still be number one by the end of the year or something silly. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, I, you know, summarizing that whole bit, um, I, I heart Mugu. I like watching her play. You know, we, I think I wanted her to win. Um, the last event she made the final and lost pretty easily to Kavitova. So it was nice mm. to see her hold this particular trophy and have a few nice, solid wins over top players. Agreed. Happy that she got one. And there was another event in Mexico with someone oh we have come to heart. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, I'm just going to say, I'm going to start this segue into the Abierto Zapopan tournament. Well done. Thank you. Jeannie Bouchard makes the final. Our bestest. Not our words, hers. <laughs> yeah. Just to be clear with everyone. Did I think that she would necessarily make the final? No. But, I mean, her popping our podcast cherry, there is an infinite amount of love and respect that Jason and I have for her, and that is the GD truth, okay? When she made that final, I was so certain that she was going to come away with her second WTA Tour title that I precipitously posted on our IG that she was going to be the winner. And I feel such a deep sense of 
<laughs> I do. I feel a deep sense of shame because I think I jinxed her. Jason can fill in the rest of the details, but we were we were texting each other during that match, both of us watching, thank you, Jason, on the WTA live tennis channel. And I couldn't watch it because I just <laughs> felt like, <laughs> I, I did, I felt like the final was slipping away from her. And unfortunately it did. Yeah, you could see it happen. They were going toe-to-toe in the first five or six games. I think the first six games were like 40 minutes. It was something really (laughs) stupid. Uh, They were both sort of sustaining rallies. Jeannie went down 3-1, but then she came back 3-2. But then she let the next three games (laughs) slip away, and she lost the first set 6-2. And the scoreline didn't really speak to the quality of play and points. You know, Jeannie's game is go big or go home. And mm. unfortunately, unfortunately, in that first set, she was the one who went home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. And, you know, Jason and I were texting each other. And at one point, I believe in the second set... Jason texted me and said, you got, okay, just to give context, I stopped watching at 2-4 because the first few games, as Jason mentioned, were really tight. Jason, um, Jason, Jeannie started off really well, being aggressive, hitting her shots, hitting the corners, and then she was just overcooking the return, and it, she was just losing ridiculous points on her ad and not capitalizing. Then I stopped watching, and Jason texted me. He's like, "What you got to watch now because Jeannie's pulling an Aldwin. I'm like, an Aldwin? What does that mean? <laughs> and he's like, "He's <laughs> she's dinking her. <laughs> she was totally dinking her. <laughs> right. She was dinking her. And I was like, okay, let's get back into it. And the moment I flipped open my laptop to watch it, she got broken again. And I sarcastically texted Jason, like, okay, thank you, because she is losing again. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? She's actually like, she's just floating balls. It wasn't even like moon, like Bianca moon balls. She was just sort of mm. floating and she would hit like slices and, you know, allowing um, Chicky Poo, what's her name? Sorbez, Sorbet, tor- <laughs> tor- Tormo to make the air. Fuxka, Fuxka, Sorbet, Tormo. Cerebus Tormo. Cerebus. Okay, the S is, is not silent. <laughs> neither S's, neither of the S's are silent. Cerebus Tormo. Mm. And um, yeah, so mm. that started to work well, but then she she was up 5-3, and then she lost the next four games in the, uh, to, to, to lose the match. Yeah, so I mean, I was chatting with Jason right before we recorded, and I said, you know, I really feel that I'm so important that I <laughs> I was the one that jinxed her because I posted that story on our our IG proclaiming her as the winner of Zapopan Abierto 2021 and she lost it and the reason why I felt like I jinxed her was because I saw on the on our IG that she saw my post you know like when you look on your IG and you see all of the people that have viewed your story she was one of them and I feel like you know, she watched it. She felt maybe not overly confident, but like, you know, when you put like a like a a jinx on someone, mm-hmm. 
by accident. I felt like maybe I did that and like she was just cursing me the entire time. But I mean, after the dust settled and I really evaluated the situation and the final, I mean, her unforced errors, I mean, she she committed, <laughs> sorry, she, com- she committed those. I didn't, yeah. you didn't. So, you know, listen, at the end of the day, we love Jeannie. All of the Quebec gay tennis supporters that messaged Jason and I over this past week, we clearly love you. And even though Norto16 from Australia sent us a screen grab of her final... (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Jason. Fill that in. Her Felix Ogier Aliassime finals record. (laughs) (laughs) That is double shady. (laughs) (laughs) But she's actually won one. <laughs> How many finals has he been in? And that he Felix, if you're listening, come on our show. <laughs> Tell us why you're losing. <laughs> She's been in. I think this is her eighth final, or maybe ninth, and she's only won one title. Right. She lost. She's sorry. She won her only title in Nuremberg in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think um, she needs to do to improve her game? I mean, for me, I just felt like she... And maybe she's never going to do this, which is fine because it's not her (laughs) style. But I feel like Mm. she needs to step, like, maybe two feet feet back from the baseline. You know, I watch her incredible 2014 year and how she positioned herself on the court in Zapopan. Sorry, what cities are we in? Acapulco? It's, yeah, it's in, it's in Mexico somewhere. In Mexico. Yeah. Okay. You know, she is, she's an aggressive player. She likes to take the ball early. That's what got her into three Grand Slam finals in 2014. To your point, when you texted me that evening, you're like, girl, step back a foot or, you know, a foot or two. And, I don't know whether that is her game. She is an aggressive player. She does like to be aggressive from the jump. Um, I just think that she played someone that you had described perfectly in your text message back to me that night as someone that just got all the balls back. She got all the balls back, and she really didn't have, Jeannie I'm talking about, didn't have an opportunity to put the ball away. She just ended up making the error. So to answer your question, what does she have to do? I think she just has to, you know what? Listen, I was going to say she's got to have more patience, but the truth is, is that that night she really overcooked her shots by just really like half a foot. Mm -hmm. It just was not on her side that night. Yeah, to some of... Some of those points, though, I felt like she had pretty good patience because like, the rallies were quite mm-hmm. long, like 12, 14 ball rallies that right. she was she was pretty patient. And, you know, uh, to what the commentators were saying was she she is hitting um, of the of sort of the um, the highlight reel shot. She's hitting more of them because she's hitting the winners, but that's her game. And she's also going to hit a lot of errors and. She, you could tell she was getting frustrated because she smashed a racket. <laughs> she did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, listen, would we, I mean, you could look at her result as a disappointment, and I'm sure for her it was, but, I mean, she made another final, and for someone that is climbing her way back into, 
you know, being part of a conversation of the top women, that is still an incredible result for her. So we're proud of we're proud of you, girl. Yeah, girl, keep keep going for it. And you're in Mexico again this week at another event. Mm. So we'll be watching. Yeah. Men's winners. Yeah. Wanna get into that? We well, we talked about Bas Basilashvili. Mm-hmm. You know, winning no matches for about <laughs> 14 months about as long as Federer was gone and then suddenly beats Federer and wins a tournament so that's kind of cool <laughs> that's a big one for him yeah he he I think he's won two or three other 500 events so he's similar to Rublev where he's like 500s I love that ATP memes where it was like <laughs> bring on the 500s but every you know every Grand Slam and you know 1000 event and 250 event <laughs> i don't want to touch that <laughs> it was so good so uh yeah and rublev lost his first match which was the semi-final <laughs> which was yeah. also funny yeah i mean people were giving rublev a hard time but you know our friend gus from montreal he posted on facebook i'm like this guy has won four 500 ATP tournaments in a row. He could lose one, mm-hmm. you know, like just be easy on him. And he made it all the way to the semis. Yeah. Playing, but he didn't play a match. <laughs> he got, he got a bye and then he had two withdrawals. So he, that's, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't play a match. So he should have been ready to go. And he lost. He lost to RBA. RBA who gets also gets every ball back. Yes. And yes. then uh, nobody paid attention to the Chile event <laughs> where, where was... Garen won. <laughs> good for him, though. He won in his homeland, so that's cool. Yeah, good for Garrett. I mean, I don't know very much about him. I know you've mentioned him a couple of times. He's a familiar name on the ATP tour. I'm assuming that he's going to be a clay court specialist. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was... Th- well, I mean, I'm really careful about those words, but... I don't think it was that much of a stretch for him to win on home turf on his favorite surface. Yeah. And he's the player that Christian beat in Delray. Christian Harrison. Harrison yes. yes. Our boy. Yeah. So uh, Garin was the number one seed in Delray and Christian Harrison beat him. Christian, why'd you shave that beard, bro? <laughs> <laughs> we did call, we did have a little chat with him about him shaving his beard and he said that his girlfriend preferred the beard. So I suspect Christian if you're listening you're probably growing that back. <laughs> Listen, I'm just going to say from my perspective there's so much more that you can enjoy with a man that has a beard. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be enjoying that with him because he's got a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> She's lucky. And then Medvedev, who is now the world number two, won in Marseille. Yeah. <laughs> Marseille. Marseille. Sorry. Good. To the French teacher. Marseille. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that we are finishing on this because, um, first of all, congrats to Medvedev. Not going to lie, a little annoyed. Um, <laughs> You're annoyed at Russians the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm just, a, I'm just a bit annoyed because, yes, it's a 250 tournament, not that high of a stature, still significant because you have gone through an entire draw to claim it. But Medvedev is a guy that I have appreciated because of you 
and is now a contender, considered a contender for slams. I mean, you just have to scroll back to our previous podcasts on the Australian Open where we thought this was his chance to really take it to Joko and didn't. And I mean, you know, he goes to France, wins a dinky 250, no offense, Marseille. I mean, but you're, you're not an Australian Open. And I'm a little annoyed because it's like, I really wish that there was a moment that Medvedev had against Rafa in that 2019 U.S. Open final, against Joko in that in this most recent 2021 Oz Open final, where you are making that breakthrough. Like, do you really want to be known as the the man that is the king of the 250s? Like, step it up, babe. Like, I'm done. Like, for real. Like, you know, like, yay, good for you. I mean, that would be a great result for someone like Garen. But you are now in that elite level of, you know, slam potential winners. Get up there with team. You know, and I know you're trying hard, but, like, I just just felt so, like, you feel good about that? All right. (laughs) I mean, he's won three three <laughs> Masters, one thousands events, one thousands, and he won the <laughs> Tour Finals this year, beating Nadal and Team and Djokovic. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. won big tournaments. I think people, despite him being the loser in that twenty nineteen U.S. Open final, people will remember that match for a long time for how he came back and started fighting and started doing serve and volley like i remember that match very distinctly that's probably one of the most memorable matches of the last two years for me so Uh uh-huh for for the fact that he's he's challenged the big three the closest in a grand slam final next to sort of team at the ao final um in 2020 where he almost beat Djokovic, but yeah okay um i hear you i acknowledge that comment (laughs) but i disagree Um, no no it's not that i disagree but i do i've just adopted your stance of the necessity for new young fire filled passionate players to really break through and no disrespect to the to nadal joko or rafa but I'm kind of like done with this conversation about you. I am. I want new people to experience the thrill and the victory of being a slam winner and to earn and to adopt that bravado. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I want Medvedev to have that. I want Medvedev to step on the court and be like, yeah, I belong here, you know, and and not like, let me go play in this 215 Marseille (laughs) and win these $25 so I can buy a McDonald's combo. <laughs> Sorry, that's so rude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like uh, you can do that in your same time. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we are going to conclude with a game. I'm really excited to play this game with Jason because Jason played a game with me last week. And Jason, did you know that with Medvedev's win in Marseille, it has now elevated him to the ranking? of number two on the ATP tour rankings. Mm-hmm. I did, did you? Know this. Okay. So this is not part of the game, okay. but do you remember the, <laughs> be a boring do game. you remember, <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you remember the last time that someone other than Novak, Rafa, 
Roger and Andy were in was in that number two position. Oh, oh my God! Oh, you didn't know? I thought you would. No, son. No, because I don't think Delpo has ever been number two. No, I don't think Vavrenka has ever been number two. No, sorry. I don't think I think Raonic got to number three. So I think all of the (laughs) all of those got all of those players have been to number three. I think, but not to number two. So if you had to take a stab at the last time someone else other than those four was in the number two position, what year would you give it? I would give it... Wow. I mean, I don't know that there's ever been a sort of an overlap where either of those three players have been away from the tour. I mean, I'm still not including Andy in there, which is kind of shady, but Andy's in there too. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So I don't know. They've all been sort of around. At least two of them have been around since I would say at least like 2005. So is it 2005? Did you just search that on your computer? I did not. You're correct. Oh my goodness. Okay. So the year is 2005. The year is 2005. I was in France as a 20-something-year-old girl enjoying my <laughs> life. Where were you in 2005? I had just come back from living in Korea. Ooh. And uh, was I moved out west to Calgary, and I worked at a Red Lobster. <laughs> oh, Jason, that's mm. so sweet. Would you like the oh. seafood special? <laughs> <laughs> Popcorn shrimp. <laughs> Um, so here's the game Cheddar Bay Biscuits <laughs> Red Lobster You can reach us at ReadyPlayTennisPodcast At gmail.com We will be glad To be sponsored by you <laughs> So 2005 You are correct Is the last time That a player Other than those four were, Was in that number two position And the game for you Is the following Can you name The last Sorry Can you name the top 10 players in the world at the moment when another person other than those four held the number two ranking. So basically tell me what the top 10 in January of 2005 was, because that's when it was. Oh my God. I have, I, that's too far removed for me. You can, I believe in you. You can do it. You know, these players are for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, if you if you want a little help, I can give you a little clue. I don't think I don't think uh, maybe Agassi was in the top ten. He was still playing, but maybe he had Ooh. fallen a little bit down the rankings at that point. Um, that is not correct. Andy Roddick, yes, number four. Leighton Hewitt. No, he's the number two. He was the number two player in the world at the time. Bam. Very good. Okay, we're done. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, listen, I thought to myself, how many of these can Jason name? And honestly, I think you can name at least six. Okay. Was and There's an obvious one, who the number one was. Federer. Number th- so that's three. He was the number one. Uh, Nadal. Number ten. Okay. Um... <laughs> Four. Hmm. The, the last few are a, a bit sticky. Burdick wasn't up there at this point. Definitely not. Can I give you a clue or do you want to just yeah, know about me, it? Give me a clue. This player is the only player to have defeated 
Nadal, Djokovic, and not the only, the, I think the second or maybe the only, Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer in one tournament. No, Bandian. He, mm, frick, he's my crush. I love him. <laughs> That's five. I should have guessed him. I that was a that was a slip up. I will say that. Do you want a clue or not? Ferrer is not. He's not a player that was up there. He is he? he? Is. Oh wow! Oh no! No no no! David Ferrer. No. However, the name is very very close. Very close. Oh. Not Ferrer. Not but from there was Spain. Sp- also from Spain. Fernando Verdasco. No. Okay, that has nothing, that sounds nothing like Ferrer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only I knew English. Um, I don't know. The original three named Spaniard, Juan, JCF, Juan Carlos Ferrero. Juan Carlos Ferrero. Oh my God. Yes, French Open champion. Blast oh, there's from one. The past. That, there's one that you'll know because he posed nude. Also a Spaniard. Won the French Open. Very handsome. Gap tooth. <laughs> I don't know. Beat off to him a couple times. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Carlos Moya. Carlos Moya. Okay, coach of Rafa. Right. Russian. Very famous Russian. Uh, Murat Safin. Yay, you did it. <laughs> is there one more? There are... Two more that you have not give me give me countries. Okay, this one I believe is Argentinian, also French Open champion. Uh, had like a Dumb and Dumber haircut at one point. (laughs) Gustavo Kirten? No, he was retired by that point, and he's from Brazil. Correct. I don't know. So Guillermo Coria. I wouldn't have guessed him. He faced. um, Oh frick! I'm blanking out now. Anyway, French Open winner. No. Was he? Anyway, sorry. French Open finalist. The last min- the last one is a Brit. Andy Murray. In that air. Honey, no. Before him. Uh, the Hill. Tim Henman? Tim Henman. Oh, my goodness. Nine. He was number nine in the world in 2005. Number one, Roger Federer. Number two, Leighton Hewitt. Number three, Merritt Safin. Number four, Andy Roddick. Number five, Guillermo Coria. Number six, Carlos Moya. Seven, David Albandian. Eight, Ferrero. Nine, Henman. Ten, Nadal. Hmm. I really would have only gotten four or five of those. I should have gotten Abandian. And I should have gotten Safin in hindsight, but Yeah, you just weren't really focused. (laughs) (laughs) I had having lived in Korea for two years and then coming back and moving somewhere else, I had I had not been into tennis as much, I don't think, at that time. But you played tennis though. I played, I just didn't watch it as much as I do now. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are a true um, student of the sport. You oh, are. You. I think you are. You're no, really. You are a true student of the sport. I like pop on here every week, being like, "Okay, what's on YouTube?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. I did watch, you know, a lot of the tennis on in Mexico and stuff. So yeah, we have another tournament to watch this week in Mexico. I think Layla is coming up soon. Yay! Let's see if she can win a match. I know she can. <laughs> See if we can. She can win. She can. She can do it. Um, And uh, that's it for this week. Uh, (laughs) We're not going to cut that, are we? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. I like it. Yeah. Like, share, and subscribe, people. 
Yes, and thank you to all of our new followers. Mm-hmm. We're lo- we're we're loving that you're following us. We're loving that you're trolling us and you know telling us which of the big three you love and which we should hate. And we're just gonna tell you how we feel. That's it. Every yeah, week. That's why you keep coming back. Don't be afraid to engage. Positive, negative, whatever you think it is. I mean, we like to have fan engagement. We love when you slide into our DMs and let us know how poorly genie is doing in finals <laughs> <laughs> yeah we try to converse with civility yeah absolutely i mean okay jason more so than me but um <laughs> i mean that's okay that's why we work right so yeah and if you're you know if you don't like it you can stop following our crappy biased page <laughs> face puller <laughs> face puller okay let's pull our face away from the microphone <laughs> and we'll see you next week Bye. We're here for your tennis-tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.